This is the Brew World Order Podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Brew World Order Podcast. My name is Michael Curtin, and this is episode 20 of the former Chew Brewer Stew Podcast. Today I'll be interviewing Tim Shaw of Odd Logic Brewing Company out of Bristol, Pennsylvania. Tim talks to us about dealing with some complications prior to opening and how he continues to deal with complications due to the whole COVID situation. Hopefully all that will change soon, but until then, take a listen to the podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Hey guys, I'm Mike Hurton. This is the Brew World Order Podcast, and today I'm with Tim Shaw of Odd Logic Brewing Company in Bristol, Pennsylvania. Back in 2015, Tim Shaw and John Merrick started brewing. Tim would come up with the ideas for the beers, and John would execute them. When they would give them to friends and family to try, they would tell Tim and John that they should open their own brewery. With that idea in mind, they set out to make it happen. Even though they wound up dealing with some hurdles, they opened their doors to the public in November of 2019. Tim, thank you for being with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, uh, can you tell us about some of those hurdles that you encountered? Yeah, absolutely, man. So, we started to really hit the festival circuit heavy uh, in the beginning. We were just homebrewing. And just seeing the feedback and seeing the lines that we created and how fast our kegs were kicking, we knew that we were onto something. So I quickly started to brand and build a business plan. Uh, My background is in marketing. I run marketing for a company that designs and builds retail stores and restaurants across the country. So I had that kind of in my back pocket. Um, as well as a degree in design. So um, I started on that around the summer of 2016. From there, we started shopping the business plan itself and the idea of what we wanted to bring to life. We came across a gentleman who kind of sold us the dream. You know, he talked a really big game and said, you know, his family had owned this medical company and they're going to back us. And, you know, he wanted a third of the business, the whole nine. Okay. Uh, which, which sounded great at the time. <laughs> you know, we were just two guys like trying to make a dream come to life. Right, right, right. We're like, all right, this, this is wonderful, man. So he's like, yeah, just go find a property and let's get the ball rolling. So I found this incredible, vacant, 11,000 square foot property right on the Delaware River waterfront. And I, I came up with this idea to turn it into a full fledged brew pub with a full kitchen, the whole nine. Right. The building itself needed like a million two in construction. Uh, and then, you know, everything from there, from equipment to kitchen and furnishings and fixtures and lighting, we were looking at like a million seven, um, that we needed to raise, which seemed nuts. Right. But, but this guy was like, look, we can do this, you know, let's make it happen. So I foolishly, uh, and this is where you learn life lessons, but I foolishly signed a five year lease on the property on my own. (laughs) Wow. And, uh, I got us a three month, uh, cushion. So we didn't have to pay any rent. So we're talking back and forth. And I'm like, look, we don't need any capital right now, but I'll hit you up in like a month or so and we'll get the ball rolling there. Yeah, no problem. The whole nine, everything's great. Then crickets, Uh emails, phone calls, text messages, nothing. Now I'm on the hook for a $5,000 a month lease. And all I've got is my nine to five, a family of three, you know, house, cars, the whole thing. Right. right. uh, I, I, so I, I, I went looking for this guy. <laughs> right, of course. Well, of course. <laughs> you know, He's just completely bailed on you. So, but the long story short of that is I found the company that he was mentioning, and I went and asked to speak with the owner. 
and I went into the office of an older gentleman, uh, explained the whole story to him, and I was kind of hot at the time, so... Of course. And I was yeah. trying to be as respectful as possible, but... As you should be. Yeah, and uh, he stopped me about halfway through, and he was like, listen, I'm really sorry, but I don't have any idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and that was like a punch in the gut, you know? I'm like, what do you mean you don't know what I'm talking about? And he's like, yeah, uh, I've, I've never heard of you before, and we're certainly not interested in investing in a brewery. And so I asked him, I said, well, is so-and-so your grandson? And he said, yes, he is, but he doesn't have anything to do with our business. Oh, Jesus. And I went, wow, so he's just a fraud. And yeah. this older gentleman looked at me and said, yes, he is. <laughs> yes, he I'm is. Sorry. I'm sorry you got wrapped up with him. And I'm just wow. like, wow, but now what do I do, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> what do I do? It's either either keep pushing forward or get sued by the landlord. You know? so, right. I continued to push forward from there. It took me quite some time to really bring it all to life. I emptied every bit of savings and 401k and everything I could to wow. keep that alive. Yeah. Until finally I went uh, to my parents about a year and a half later and uh, told them like, look, I'm at, I'm at the end of my rope. If there's anything you can do to help me. And my dad was, he's an awesome guy. He was just like, look, I've been wanting to be a part of it from the beginning. I just didn't want to step on your toes. Yeah, right. Um, awesome. So with the help of my family, we purchased the property outright. Awesome. Um, which was huge. Yeah, that yeah. was huge. Now you're a building uh, owner. We knew that it was going to be a huge task even following that, but at least we got the landlord out of the way. I needed something in the uh, in the interim to try to bring in some revenue. So I found another building in the same neighborhood that's smaller. It's on a major highway didn't need a ton of work just more like uh, fitting it out to suit our needs right so we grabbed that property too and that is what we eventually ended up opening on black friday in 2019 uh we still have the property on the riverfront but with this pandemic and everything going on it's like one thing after another but, of course of course um, i'm not sure what i'm gonna do with that at the moment i still hope that i can bring it to life right. but at least we have something at least we're operational and at least our tap room is full when we are able to be open. Right. And, uh, I mean, we can get into that whole, that whole situation next, I guess. <laughs> awesome. Well, that leads into my next question. How have you been faring with this whole, uh, this whole pandemic, especially being a brand new business? I mean, it probably hit you probably, yeah. what, three, four months after opening? Yeah, just four months That's into insane. it. insane. Um, yeah, we opened November 29th. And on March 15th, we had to close our doors. Oh. And it was so gut-wrenching because we were really gaining some awesome momentum from the opening day through March. Right. Uh, Especially with summer the, on the horizon and everything. I'm yeah, sure. oh, everything was man. kind of buzzing. Yeah, the, the Thursday, we got shut down on a Sunday, the 15th. The Thursday before that, I got approved by the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board to open up a beer garden on the exterior side of our building. Oh, wow. Um, so that that was kind of a punch in the gut because I'm like, ah, I wanted to spend the whole spring building that, but then I had to appropriate some of those funds that we were saving for that to switch our business model up because at the time we got shut down, we weren't even offering takeout. We weren't filling growlers or crowlers or anything because we were so busy inside the tap room that we were just trying to keep up with our taps. If we were doing takeout, I think we would have ran out of beer. So that Sunday when we got shut down, I went home and had some beers <laughs> and licked my wounds. 
then I woke up Monday morning like I need a plan, you know. Right. Um, I quickly jumped on it and and got cans and labels and a crowler machine and switched gears and kept my staff employed with the money that I was going to use to build the beer garden with. Yeah, I was just going to ask. I mean, did you have to let go of anybody during this time period, or I mean, thankfully I didn't. That's awesome. Um, and, That's awesome. And Good for you. I, I will say that that definitely goes to the aspect of us being new and smaller. Uh, right. I, I could imagine if we had that brew pub open too, Right. It, the th- things would have been much different. That would have hurt much, much more. And I can only imagine what larger breweries are going through with layoffs and stuff because they have five to ten times the amount of staff. You know, I, I, have, I have 11 employees. It wasn't that crazy for me and I'm, I'm, I'm lucky and fortunate in that respect. Uh, takeout's been going awesome. Things have really picked up in terms of our, our brewing. Our IPAs are really starting to take off big time, which is something that we were trying to figure out in the first three months with our water chemistry and everything. Because it okay. was, you know, that, that was a whole little change for us too, going from just home brewers to a, a commercial system and trying to figure out the kinks over the first couple months, which... You know, to the naked eye, people are just like, oh, your beer's really good. But it wasn't what we were used to. It wasn't what we wanted. And uh, to, to kind of circle back to the original question, we've got a situation now where we just found out next weekend, or this coming weekend, our county is entering what they're calling the yellow phase. Okay. And in the yellow phase, they're going to allow for outdoor seating. So now I'm switching gears again and scrambling to try to get some furniture in here. Uh, so we can get it out on our, our exterior space and hopefully have some people out within the next week or so just enjoying themselves again. Right. So you talked about the water chemistry. Well, what was your issue with that? Going from just like brewing, you know, 10-gallon batches to brewing 125-gallon batches, uh, even though that's still a small system. Right. For us, it was a, a, a bit of a change. We were used to doing things on, on the little setup and... Just trying to figure out, you know, everything on this new system and, and new water, too. Uh, the water is different everywhere, which I guess, you know, in the in the beginning, we didn't truly take into consideration um, right. the change. Cause I know the we pH, were, we were only, the pH is, is basically what what affects your uh, brew, the, right? The, the pH has always been straight. What, I, what I'm referring to more is with our hazy IPAs. Okay. Um, when, when you're brewing a hazy IPA, your water chemistry uh, needs to be at a certain level, uh, parts per million, for your calcium chloride and your sulfate and all that good stuff. And uh, I think we were a little, and I don't think, I know after doing some laboratory testing, that we were a little bit light on all of that. So our, our IPAs were kind of missing the body that we were used to. And now okay. we've, we've sent our, our water out to... A laboratory to be tested uh, about a month and a half ago. When we got the results back, we made adjustments, and uh, every IPA that we've put out since then has been right on point. So awesome! It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah trial, sure. trial and error. Awesome. That's it, man. That's yeah. it. You can only you can only learn and grow. Right. So, what do you think's the biggest? I mean, it's only been a short while that you've been open, but what do you think's the biggest lesson you've learned so far? <sighs> yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, so many, <laughs> so many. Number one, um, in the beginning, it was like everyone wanted to help out, which was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always nice to be surrounded by people who want to help you. Right. After we started to become 
familiar with our operations and things that we really needed in the tap room and just uh, from a business standpoint and, and the standards that we hold ourselves to. Uh, one of the first lessons I learned was hiring friends and family isn't the greatest idea ever. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, believe it or not, I've had to let go of two people who were uh, family members <laughs> right. and, uh, and, and others that were friends of friends. And it wasn't a, about anything other than they just weren't uh, experienced in this, in this world. And right. They truly did just want to help out. But we started to get so busy that we realized that you need I, don't experience. Just need, I don't need people who just want to help. I need people who know and, and understand the, the aspects of, being in a tap room and, and truly serving customers. Right. Was there a, what was the aha moment for you for opening your brewery? Was in, there in, ter- in terms of me wanting to open? Yeah. One? Was there a certain moment that like it hit you where you're like, we we got to do this. We got to. Yeah. Do um. So like I said, we were home brewing and sharing it with friends and family, and they were always pushing us. Right. But I was just like, man, it's it seems like such a pipe dream, you know. Right. And I'm like, all right, well, why don't we just start entering like little homebrew contests and getting in on some of the beer festivals? Because I don't know, I'm not sure about other states, but in Pennsylvania, a lot of the beer festivals will allow for homebrewers to set up as well. That's awesome. Um, which is really cool, yeah. yeah. So being that we were on a homebrew level, we had gone to uh, this one festival um, in Valley Forge. Okay. And it was huge. There was thousands of people uh, 70 plus breweries and they had two sessions in the first session. There was a VIP session of about 500 people and they gave each one of those 500 people a card to fill out their favorite three breweries of the VIP session. Right. And we, we, we were number two and we weren't even a brewery. Wow. (laughs) So that was the point where I was like, okay, yeah. Uh, we need we need to really take this seriously right now. Right. Who inspired you in the industry? Uh, in the industry, I would say Tired Hands locally to us, uh, Nishamini Creek. Right. Um, these guys truly put the beer first. They were really like in the in the younger days of their company. They were really putting out some stuff that wasn't around it wasn't available around here and especially tired hands i mean right. they've been so innovative and creative and everything yeah, I hear they've that. done and to watch them grow over six to seven years in the first five years they went from a tiny little spot and then they opened up this massive brew pub around the corner now they've got a space down in the city they've got a restaurant in in the city they've got a, a general store in the Comcast building which is a high rise in, in Center City wow I mean they're they're just blowing up killing it and and the quality of their beer has stayed the same some people will complain about them a little bit from time to time because they are so kind of innovative and experimental uh, they'll they'll try anything <laughs> right so some people don't agree with some of the IPAs they make with the milkshake series and all that stuff but I love innovation man. And, and creativity fuels more creativity so right. I'm always for that and if it works and it tastes great why you know why not why not push it absolutely you know? absolutely uh, and listen some sometimes it might not taste great of course that's part of the process <laughs> of course but if you're making good beer and you know how to make good beer and and there you know there's a process behind it and you figure out how to how to perfect something you should exactly. pu- you should push it if you if you believe that's, in it you know that's the key and especially what we've seen now is that 
once we found this kind of base benchmark for our IPAs, now we can just tweak everything right. and change things from here, you know, here to there and, and different hop schedules and stuff like that. And it becomes a entirely different beer, but with the same base to it, which is nice. Right. So how do you how do you go about choosing the beers that you that you guys brew? Twofold. Most of it is personal, um, but we do listen to our customer base for sure. Okay. Um, we have quite a few beers that you would think people wouldn't be very interested in that are wildly popular with our customers. We have a brown ale called Hooligan Factory, and I've never been a huge brown ale fan. Right. I love this beer and the way it's turned out, and it is one of our most popular offerings. Right. So we, we just continue to make it, I mean, every month. Every single month, we're brewing a new batch of this brown ale, which I would have never expected. Never. Really? Yeah. So, is there like a is there like a, a trial? Do you do small batches to figure out like, oh, this tastes good. We should try this on a bigger level, or is it just kind of like, let's go at it right away? In, or? The, in the beginning, that was that was the plan, and we started to do that. Um, we brought our we brought our little homebrew setup in here, right. And uh, we, it's still set up in here, but we quickly realized that we don't have time. <laughs> right. <laughs> we yeah. just don't have the time. So it's like, all right, let's let's knock it out on the big on the big batch and go from there. Because I mean, unless it's truly something that we've we've never experienced before, then maybe we'll toss it on the little guy and, and right. see how it turns out. And to be honest, they're just so vastly different. I, I, right now, we're just knocking them out on the on the three and a half barrel. And, right. And rolling with it i know a lot of people have stories of how they had to get rid of beers have you had to discard any once 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 what was yeah, that thankfully thankfully we uh it was an ipa that we did um it was actually leading up to our opening and i came in the day before we opened and i was tasting all the beers we had 12 beers on tap for the opening and uh this one ipa that we had done before that was a big hit um just tasted off Right. It just tasted off, and in my heart, I could not serve it, knowing that smart. A few, number one, people had it at festivals, so they right. knew what it was. Right. You know what I mean? So I had, I pulled it. We, I dumped fifteen kegs of it. Ugh. Yeah. Heart, heartbreaking. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't fun. Right. No. <laughs> but, but at the same time, you know, I always go back. I, I truly believe that our industry and the culinary industry are almost one and the same. Um, in terms of uh, service and, and quality control and experimentation and creativity. And so when I look at things like that, I think of a chef, you know, making someone a $50 piece of steak and that person wanted it medium rare and the chef makes it, you know, medium well, is he going to put it on the plate? Yeah, right. Exactly. So I mean, it could uh, be you know, it could be have, having a first customer come in, you know, for the first time trying your beer, and they try that right. beer, and that's like, uh, yeah, this is right. And then you turn somebody off who could have been a massive fan if they started with something else. Right. So, of course. Yeah. In, in, integrity and quality over everything. Right. Uh, were there any books or podcasts or anything that you used as as a, as educational tool that you would recommend? Podcasts. Um, no, I'm I'm not huge in the podcast world. No disrespect. <laughs> no, none at all. None taken. Hey, it's um, not for everybody. Yeah. Uh, but when I was coming up, um, there were quite a few books. Um, 
that were really awesome. Um, it was uh, Malt, Hops, and Water, uh, three different books by John Mallett. Uh, okay. They were just now probably a little bit out of date just in terms of styles. Right. But to understand, to truly understand the basics of brewing and why things are important, Right. Uh, those three books were really incredible. And then um, it's a guy named Tom Hennessy, and the book is called Brewery Operations Manual. Okay. Now, some of the things in the book, as I was reading through it, I'm like, yeah, of course, I know this. This is common sense, um, just in business operations in general. Right, right. Um, but there were definitely a, th- a few little gems in the book that help, just helpful helpful little tips for people and, and how to properly you know, stay organized and, and stay on top of everything. Okay. And how, and how do you make uh, family and, and business work for you? Honest to God, with the help of my wife, <laughs> right. like, I, I wouldn't be able to do it without the help. That's for sure. Right. It's been a tough balance, and she's been really patient about everything and understanding. She knows my dreams and, and my goals, and she's been super supportive, um, even though at times I know she wasn't thrilled. Uh, with me being out of the house, you know, 80, 90 hours a week. Right, right, yeah. Um, but she knows what the ultimate goal is, and the ultimate goal is that in a few years, I won't have to put in those kind of hours, and I can be more present on a daily basis. Making sure that every minute I'm at home, I'm completely present and helping and, you know, there for my kids and and the whole nine, you know. Busy man. Is he man? Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. My next question is is something I, I was having a conversation with my cousin about uh, a while back. And what was your gateway craft beer for you that got you into liking craft craft beers? I have two answers to this because okay. one, okay, <laughs> one like kind of opened my eyes to knowing that there were more beers out there in the world. Okay, and the other kind of really set me off because I after the first one I'm like okay yeah this is cool man craft beer is cool right. I like it it's good stuff I'll check it out whenever I'm out I'll try new new things mm-hmm. that beer was actually Dead Guy Ale okay Rogue. yeah by Rogue yeah. Um, my brother gave it to me and he was he, he at this time this had to be 12-14 years ago I mean I, I had probably had some beers before then but just didn't really care you know, it just wasn't like a passion or anything at the time. Right, right. Um, after that, I think that opened me up to trying more things because I hadn't even had a style like that before. Mid-2013 or so, 2013, 2014, is where I really like started expanding and trying a ton of different things. I would say I was a stout guy. I was a big stout guy. Still am. Yeah, I love stouts. Um, but uh, North Coast, uh, Old Ras, uh, Old Ras Putin. Old Ras uh, It's a great yeah, one. Man. It's a great, that, that beer great was beer. awesome. Really and truly loved that one. Just as a solid, incredible stout. Yeah. And that just kind of opened and expanded things from there and made me want to seek other things out. Right. So I'm sure people have already. Uh, but if if somebody came to you and asked you about opening their own place, what what main piece of advice would you give them? I would say a few things. Um, number one, the most important thing I would say is um, 
make sure your heart is 100% into it because it's going to consume a lot of your time and efforts. Uh, number two, if you need to raise money, make sure you know where that money is coming from. Right. Make sure you see it and you know that it's real before you sign anything. Right. And then number three, I would say take your budget and what you think you need and double it. Okay. <laughs> Truly. Because things come up, things happen, right. and there are a lot of little expenses that you just don't even think about. Right. You know, and, and stuff adds up very quickly. What would be some of those little things that add up just out of curiosity? Uh, everything from the cost of, of CO2, Right. Uh, which, how would you even know? How do you factor that in? Right. It's when you're creating a budget, you know. Yeah. Um, to something as simple as the cost of of glassware and how often you're going to go through that with breaks and and theft and janitorial supplies. Like we we got locked in with a company locally that sold us on everything from the bathroom fixtures to the uh, toilet paper and paper towels and cleaners and all this stuff. Right. And before we knew it, we were locked into a contract that we're paying like $150 a week on for this tiny little place. Jesus. So, you know, if I would have just bought all that stuff outright on my own and then sourced out the paper products, I probably would have spent a lot less money. Yeah, right. So, Some great advice. Did you have a, a funny story for us? So in Pennsylvania, when this shutdown happened, the governor put out a new law that stated no service of alcohol for consumption on licensed premise, right? That means that I can't serve any customers inside of my building. Right. Right, which I totally am on board with right now. Two weeks after we were shut down, it was a Friday night. We're only open from four to eight on Friday nights for curbside pickup, mm -hmm. right? So we have a big garage door on the side of our building we pop that open and we barricade the front of it with a, a long table. Or they either either you place an order online and you pull in and we bring it out when you pull in, or we can accept walk-ups where you walk right up to the open door right. and you place your order at the table, we fill it and bring it out to you. So no customers even come inside of our building at all. So it's a Friday night, 4 to 8, we're working. It's about 20 after 8. My manager, Nate, is cleaning up. He's mopping behind the bar. I'm sitting at a table by myself with a beer at the end of the night. Next thing I know, the door flies open, and this guy comes in with his hand on his hip like he's busting up a, a high school party. <laughs> and I turn and look at him, and I'm like, hey, what's up? And he's like, uh, what's going on in here? And I'm like, well, we're closed. And we just finished cleaning up. Oh, mind you, uh, he's a Pennsylvania uh, liquor control enforcement officer. Oh, okay. Oh, so I'm like, oh, we just finished cleaning up. You know, Nate's mopping up. I'm I'm just unwinding here, getting ready to go home. And he goes, uh, well, I see you got a beer there. And I'm like, yeah, I do. And he goes, well, that you're noncompliant. What? I'm like, well, how? <laughs> yeah. He goes, well, the law states that there's no, uh, no consumption of alcohol on licensed premise. Oh, God. So I'm like, well, man, I'm, I said, listen, with all due respect, that is for customers. And I understand protecting the customers. So, but I'm the owner here and I'm going to drink my own beer. That's going to happen. Right. Number one, for quality control in general, I have to. And he yeah. goes, well, you're closed right now? And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, then this is a social gathering. 
Oh my god! <laughs> I'm like, on. man, now you're reaching because there's only two of us, and we just finished work. Right. So, it's a social gathering, and he so he takes my cell, and he's like, I'm gonna call my supervisor. And I'll get I'll get in touch with you. I said, all right, man. See you later. Oh. The next night, we, Saturday, we were there twelve to five. That night, Nate tells me because hey Tim I just got a text from this customer and he said that he had gotten the pale ale but he said it tasted a little funky he, you know he wasn't sure if maybe we gave him the wrong beer and I'm like really pour me one the tap next to it is our saison I said pour me one of each right. maybe I, I can identify maybe we gave him the saison by accident so he pours me a little five ounce sample of each and I'm standing in front of the bar and I'm smelling them and tasting each and I turn around and this guy's staring at me through the window of the door (laughs) (laughs) so i i walk over and i open the door and i'm like what's up man and he's he's like uh i thought i made myself clear yesterday i said well you you definitely didn't but what do you mean and he's like well you're non-compliant again so we argued for about 20 minutes before i was just finally like you know what man go do your thing so he left now the very next day we were canning up uh the all together beer oh the all together yeah awesome yeah, so we, we did that in collaboration with another local brewery. So we went to can we brewed it over there. So I, I grabbed all my stuff and we went to can it over there. But I forgot one of my tools. So I came back and as I pulled in my parking lot, this guy's sitting out front mm-hmm. in an empty parking lot. So I, I, I hop out of my truck and I'm like, come on, man. And he's like, oh, I'm just following up, uh, 24 hour follow up because you were non compliant. <laughs> so I said, Joe, <laughs> I, now I'm calling him by his name. Yeah, right. Joe. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm just trying to save my business out here, man. I'm not doing anything wrong. I drank my own beer after hours. Like, you can't be serious. And he's just like, ah, well, I'm sorry that we don't agree on this. And I'm like, yeah, me too. And I just walked away and left it at that. Yeah, agreed. Last week, I got a letter, a notice of violation from the Liquor Control Board that I violated the law. And now I have, I had to, I called my attorney, who fortunately is the uh, former lead prosecutor for the Liquor Control Board, so he knows his stuff. Wow. Um, he laughed and said that it was ridiculous, but the part that's not so funny is that I have to spend my time taking it to court. I have to spend my money paying my lawyer's fees, all because I had a beer in my own brewery while we were closed during yeah. a pandemic. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. And the only thing I could do is laugh, because I don't yeah. know what else to do. Ain't life grand. Good Lord. Wild, man. Yeah, this is, this is crazy, crazy times. It reminds me of the Steve Buscemi's character in uh, I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry. Yes. <laughs> He's like going through the garbage and, you know. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> man. God. It's so strange. Wow. So I have a little segment called Quick Fire Five. Five quick questions, you know, one to two word answer. Ready? Let's get it. Yeah, man. So somebody comes into your brewery. One of Odd Logic's beer that you'd recommend they try? Right now, I go with Tree Trippers. It's a hazy IPA, just killer. Cascade, Simcoe, Citra, double dry hop with all three, plus the addition of Motueka. Ooh, that sounds good. Favorite brewery other than your own? Treehouse. Treehouse. Easy. Yeah. yeah. I've had Treehouse. I've had a lot of their stuff, man. Really good Incredible, stuff. Incredible, man. Yeah. Favorite style of beer? Stout. Stout. Right. Yeah, you had mentioned that. Uh, yeah, the, the bigger, the boozier, the thicker, the better. <laughs> right. Uh, barrel aged, imperial, or both? Both. Both. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I'll take one of those in a stout. Yeah, that'd be good. 
<laughs> I've got one. I've got one coming out in two weeks that was done with. Uh, it's a it's a twelve percent stout done with uh, twenty five pounds of barrel aged maple syrup, whiskey barrel aged maple syrup, and uh, it just got a dose of uh, French toast coffee from Bones Coffee Company. So and that's what, gonna be a good one. Do you, what's the name of that one? <laughs> I haven't named it yet. <laughs> I haven't named it yet, so in the next two weeks, you'll see. <laughs> All right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. And uh, what is the last beer that you drank that actually blew you away? Oh, man. All right. This is perfect because I was just having this conversation with someone the other day. It was a collaboration. It was between Great Notion and uh, it's called Swamp Stacks. Swamp Stacks. Oh, man. Hey, it was Parish. Parish, everything Parish is doing is is just awesome. Um, yeah, I've never had Parish they, stuff actually. Oh man, Parish makes a crazy good IPA called Ghost in the Machine. They're they're incredible. They're in Louisiana. They, yeah, they're in Louisiana. Okay. This in, this uh, in particular was a stout. Okay. Um, yes. It's called Swamp Stack. Yeah, twelve percent. Parish beer, but they collabed with Great Notion on it. And it was done with coconut, maple syrup, marshmallows, and graham crackers. Oh, man. Dude, it is like <laughs> out of, and just as like an adjunct stout, like the, it's the best I've had in as long as I can remember. It really? was seriously delicious. That sounds incredible. Yes, sir. All right. Well, Tim, thank you very much, man. I really appreciate it. Nah, dude, my pleasure, man. Thank you. I appreciate it as well. I'm Mike Curtin for Brew World Order Podcast with Tim Shaw. Thank you very much, man. Thank you, Mike. And that was my interview with Tim Shaw, and I hope you enjoyed it very much as I did. Uh, very informative, to say the least. A lot of lessons learned in that one. So, hope you were paying attention. If you're looking to open your own brewery, subscribe so you never miss another episode of the podcast. And thank you so much for listening. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order Podcast. You stay safe out there.